Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you've decided to join us this morning online. We are launching a brand new series called Stand. And over the next five weeks, we're going to talk all about what it means to stand out and to stand up. And the idea of, of stand represents life. When you stand up, you, you have the energy and the movement to move forward. It also represents a conviction. You're willing to take a, a stand for something. Uh, if you're a follower of Christ and you've decided to follow Jesus with your whole life, stand also represents the fact that you want to battle against the spiritual forces of evil. Uh, in Ephesians 6, we're, we're commanded to, to stand, to stand strong, to, to not uh, be crushed, to rely on God and his strength. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to dig into the Old Testament of the Bible, reading about the life of Daniel and his friends. In a moment, I'm going to give you some background of his life and the, the book of Daniel. But before I do that, I want to give you a preview of what we're going to be spending our time talking about the next five weeks. So as you, as you listen to these, I'm just going to share the titles and just give you a real brief snapshot. But think about people in your life already on the front end. This is like a next step you can take on the front end. Who is somebody that you can invite to watch our service online? Or if you're ready to come to church at the park, who could you invite uh, to come with you? There's so many people that are wanting to stand up, to, to stand for something, and this may be exactly what they need to hear. And so in this series, we're going to talk about stories of courage. Well, what specifically? Well, here's our series preview. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about what it means to stand out. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about stand up. How do we stand up for what is true and for what's right? Uh, the third week, stand strong. What does that actually mean in our culture, in our day, and in what we face in our life? Uh, the fourth week of the series, I'm going to talk about standing in faith. So we're going to dig into faith and how does that tie into, again, what we're facing in our lives. All the pressures, the concerns, all those things which can overwhelm us. And then we're going to wrap up the series talking about how we stand firm in the fire. When the fires in life really heat up, when we feel the pressure and it feels like we're getting burned, how do we stand when that heat gets turned up? And so I hope this will be relevant to you. I hope you'll learn about Daniel. I hope you'll learn more about the scriptures. And then as well, I hope you'll be able to kind of look around in culture, look around in the media, look around in your life and begin to allow God to speak to you, maybe in spite of the messages that we're hearing, maybe in spite of the things that, that we're seeing. And that's what we need right now in our life. We need to look around not get overwhelmed by all that we're experiencing, but really turn to God in the middle of it all and ask him, how do I stand for you? And if you're exploring what it means to follow Christ, I hope this gives you a sense of how God can call you forward to stand for something that is actually worth standing for. And so we're so glad that you've decided uh, to join us. So I want to dig in just giving you uh, just kind of the, the main three ideas of, of this whole series. So I've given you a preview, but here's like the three main ideas. The first is this, how do we stand out in the right ways at the right time for the right reason? So that's a key question that I want you to begin to, to really think about. So how do we stand out in the right ways at the right time for the right reason? The idea there is, is okay, if we're gonna stand, how do we look at the opportunities around us for which that can happen. So it's the idea of like making the most right now, not looking back, not looking ahead, not wanting this season to be over, but how do we make the most right here and right now? And then here's the, the implications. 
If you take a stand for the right things, the right time, the right way, you can change course. This is the hope that I experience in my life. As I turn to God for help, and I take a stand for the truth that he's given me in his word, and I really live by it, and I lean into it, I can change. That is so hopeful. We live in a time where it's almost like you can't change your circumstance, you can't change your life, you can't change your course at all. That's actually not true. We can all change course. And as we change course because of what we stand for, we can make an impact not only on our life, but those we're connected to, whether it's in our immediate family, whether it's coworkers, our neighbors, we can make a difference in the world. And that is what gives us hope. Our life counts. Life is precious. It matters. And the opposite is true. Check this out. If you compromise with the wrong things, the wrong times, the wrong reasons, there's actually a cost more than you can imagine. So if you make just the wrong choices and you're always choosing that, that wrong timing, so it's the opposite. Like, I'm not going to stand. I'm just going to give in. I'm just maybe going to turn inward. I'm going to pull away. I'm going to kind of make sure God's not seeing what I'm doing. Then we actually can alter the course in, in ways that could be filled with so much regret. So this series is all about how do we make the most of the opportunities to stand right now with whatever we face. So let's dig in the story of Daniel. And I want to give you a little bit of context. Uh, Daniel is the name of the book of the Bible, and it's also the name of the central character of who we're going to be learning about. So Daniel is the man we're going to learn about, and he wrote the book of Daniel, and he wrote it about 6th century uh, BC. So quite a while ago, but what you'll find as we dig into the scriptures always, even the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that despite its age, it has timeless principles. So Daniel is writing this story, giving an account of of what happened. And the story begins in Daniel chapter 1 with a king, an evil king called King Ebuchadnezzar that came really from Babylon to overtake and overthrow Jerusalem. Now, Babylon is not a city that you can find on the map today or a region, uh, but it's actually modern-day Iraq. In fact, Babylon is about 65 miles southwest of Baghdad. And so that will just give you a sense. That's about a thousand miles or so from Jerusalem. And so King Nebuchadnezzar traveled west to Jerusalem to overtake the cities. And this was not just like a, we're visiting, we want to see your culture. This is, we want to conquer you. We want to take over. We want to really change the course of your entire life. And so he was an evil king. And you see him come up in multiple stories uh, in the scripture, but he impacted uh, the life of Daniel and all of the Israelites living uh, in his day. So he came and he besieged the city, the city of Jerusalem. Not only did he do that, though, he also went after the temple. So it wasn't just, we want to destroy your city buildings and maybe some homes here or there. We're going to come for the temple where you worship God. And they crushed the religious symbols They wanted to wipe out any reference to Israel's worship of Yahweh, God himself, the creator, the I am who we've been talking about. And so Nebuchadnezzar basically came and said, you will not worship this God anymore. You're not going to follow your culture anymore. I'm going to wipe any reference to your God. And so he went to the temple, destroyed, and wanted just them to forget this God that you worship. He doesn't exist. 
Instead, you're going to worship and follow my gods. You're going to do things my way. And that leads to the next strategy of King Nebuchadnezzar. So not only did he come to destroy and ruin people's present life, he also came with a strategy to destroy the future of the Israelites. And he had a plan. It was very intentional. And this plan revolves around what he told his leaders. And he told his leaders, go find the most sharp people in this culture, these young men who I can adopt, take them from the most noble families in Israel, take them from the most rich, the wealth, the most educated, bring them to me so I can take them and they will become the future leaders in Babylon. So again, not only are we going to ruin their city right now, but we're going to actually take away their future, their young leaders, the next generation. And we're not going to just take them. We're going to actually indoctrinate them again with our pagan ways. And so his strategy was bring them to me and I will have my way. I will lead them on a new course. They will be the future leaders. And so you can imagine this backstory where we're learning about Daniel's life. All of a sudden, maybe the most just overwhelming situation you could find yourself in being conquered was happening. And so I want to pick up a little bit of the story and I've given you some context. Let's actually dig in. This is Daniel Chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. This is what it says. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Verse five says, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. So you can now see the intentional strategy. Bring us the best and then we're gonna do all that we can to move them to our ways. And they went and got all these leaders and brought them out to King Nebuchadnezzar. And then as you read, what I just said is three years this indoctrination was going to happen. What you find is some of these key leaders are the people we're going to be talking about. Daniel was one of them. And you find this in verse six and seven. It says this, among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. So these were Israelites. And then verse seven, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. So remember what I said about not only did Nebuchadnezzar came to besiege the city and destroy everything right now in this present time where they were, but he also, again, wanted to change their future. So how was he going to change their future? Well, he changed their names really to show that they're going to cut off any tie they had to their roots. See, most people named in that day were were actually referenced to God. In fact, Daniel's name means the God who judges. And it's the sense of like, you're going to name your child in a way that's going to represent the almighty God. And so they would name them with this deep meaning in in Hebrew, and it was tied to their, their upbringing, their inheritance, their forefathers, that they would also pass on to their kids. And so when Nebuchadnezzar came, he changed their name so that every time their new name would be called, they'd, they'd be cut off from the reference of 
Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. And they would now be tied to the, the new pagan gods. Like this is your new identity, these new gods that you're supposed to worship. Now, how old were these young men? Well, many biblical scholars believe they're between the ages of 12 and 15. Now, could you imagine that? These are young men, possibly in junior high, maybe freshmen or sophomore in high school, and they're taken away a thousand miles from their home, cut off from everything they have known. Their names are changed. They're given a new identity, and they're basically forced to live a new way, a pagan life, totally void and pulled away from everything they had known. So when we talk about this idea of stand, and today, standing up, these young men were not people that had all sorts of influence and had all sorts of life experience. They were young. But just because their names were changed and just because they were pulled out of their homes, their faith remained strong. And so what we're talking about in this series is that these kinds of stories of courage, people that despite their circumstances will still stand for what is true and right and pleasing to God. So again, their names changed, their lives are changed, everything that they've experienced, everything they've known has has been stripped uh, from them. And the story goes on in Daniel 1.8. And this is probably, I think, one of the most important verses in the whole book of Daniel. All these things have happened and we don't quite know all the reaction of Daniel and his friends. Again, all this is happening we don't get this context of the things that they're saying to each other, the things that they're, they're experiencing. You just you see the reality. But then in Daniel 1.8, you get a glimpse of the things that Daniel had been processing. And this is what it said. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So it's very interesting what had happened in the story so far. Their names had been changed, but you don't hear any complaint about their names being changed. And I think that represents the fact that Daniel and his friends are saying, you know, you can change our names, but we still know who we are. You can call us something different, but we still know. He still knows. My name is Daniel. And I know there is the God who judges. Nothing is going to change that. Nothing's going to take away that, that identity, who he really is. But the moment that they wanted the Israelites to defile God, that's where Daniel said, we we cannot do that. So you may ask, well, well, how would that defile God? Well, as soon as they were asked to eat the king's food, you see, the king's food was actually given as like sacrifices and worship to pagans. And so Daniel, seeing what's happening, seeing what they were being asked to do, decided that I cannot do that. I cannot dishonor God by eating the food that had been sacrificed to the pagan gods. You can change my name. You can disrespect me. You can strip everything away from me, but I will not dishonor the name of God. I will not dishonor God. I will not do what I've been forbidden to do. And that was an Old Testament law. You, you don't eat the food sacrificed to idols. So Daniel decided in that moment, I'm gonna stand up for what God has told me. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to please him. I will not dishonor his name. So as in any story, again, we can't relate probably to all the experience Daniel has had. That's extreme in a lot of ways. Things that I hope none of us have to face. 
But there are some principles, and, and here's the first one. To stand up, we must all make predetermined resolutions. That's so important for us to just take from the initial story here. For us to stand up, you have to decide before you're in that position of what you will do and what you will not do. Because if you could imagine, if I was Daniel, a few thoughts that were coming in my head. Well, I'm probably going to eat the best food that I've ever experienced. You think of the king's palace and what the king eats. If you get to eat and drink what royalty eats and drinks, you're going to be living pretty good. You know, you're not going to be having this, this cheap food that has no, tri- no nutrition, but you are going to be eating the best of all the land. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he's conquering, so it's not just the best of his land. It's the best of every land and country where he's, you know, taken power. But Daniel knew, again, it's not about me and my, my comfort, but I will not dishonor the name and the person of God. I want to, to please him. It's also interesting, he wasn't put in that position without making that resolution. Because if he hadn't decided that, what had happened if that food had been served him and he's hungry? And not only is he hungry, but he's looking at all the other Israelite boys that were taken at the same time and everyone else is eating. And so if you're in a position and you've not made a resolution, you've not decided to stand up for what is right or what is true, you're so much more likely to fall into temptation. Have you experienced that in your life? It's that idea of like, if you're not planning, it's really easy to fail. In fact, I have a mentor when I was in college that really helped me. And we were talking about spiritual disciplines and talking about really trying to build discipline in my life. And he says, Alex, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And at first I just thought about that. And I thought, you know, that's so right. If if I'm not making plans, if I'm not making resolutions, if I'm not deciding what I will do in a certain situation, when the situation comes... I'm crippled, I'm paralyzed, and you end up just going with whatever everyone else does. That's how life is. That's what we see in our world. If you don't make your own resolutions and decide with conviction to do what God says, you'll just do what everyone else does. So Daniel and his friends resolved, we will not eat this food. Now, if you want to grow spiritually, these predetermined resolutions are crucial to your life. And so it begins with two questions somewhat that I've already mentioned. So the first way to make a predetermined resolution is to ask this. What will I not do? Are there certain things in your life that you just need to decide? And maybe God's speaking to you right now that you should not do. As you dig into the scripture, there's major categories of life related to attitudes and authority and stewardships and money and relationships, how we treat people how we live our life with with integrity. And so there's just certain things, like if we're going to do things God's way, we can't do, we can't go down that path even if everyone else does it. Again, I have to plan this out. And if I don't plan it out in that situation, I'm just going to do what everyone else does. So here are some things that I thought. These are just some maybe predetermined resolutions that you could make in your life. The first is, I will not gossip. What if you made a decision that in any relationship you had, as soon as you get into gossip, as soon as somebody talks about somebody else, you don't go there and you just remove yourself from the conversation? Would you stand out? You sure would. You would stand out because it's so easy to get into gossip. Why? Because we actually like to talk about other people. 
It's very easy to see the problems in others and fail to see them in ourselves. That's a lot of the root of gossip. So what if you just decided, I will not do it? That's a predetermined resolution. I will not go there. Another one is this. It's related to authority. Scripture has a lot to say about authority. How to submit to authority. How to obey authority. How to actually make it a joy for the people that lead you. So what if you made a predetermined resolution in your workplace to not bash your boss? To not speak down on authority? What what if you made a predetermined resolution? Like, I'm not going to go there. So with my words, I'm not going to gossip. With my attitude and what I say about my boss, I'm not going to put him or her down. What if you made a resolution to do that before you're in that moment? If you're married, another predetermined resolution is related to the area of relationships, specifically in marriage. What if you decided, I will not get close to someone of the opposite sex who is not my spouse? So if you're a husband, I will not engage in conversations or have a relationship with somebody where we begin to get close and it's not my wife. You see this all the time, adultery, affairs. It happens because resolutions that are not made where people just decide these boundaries are not there. And when the boundaries aren't there, you just kind of inch closer to the edge of the cliff. And as you inch closer to the edge of the cliff, what happens? You, You fall off. And so if you're married, what if you made that predetermined resolution? I will not connect, text, talk in secret with anyone else except my spouse. How would that make a difference in your marriage if both of you made that resolution together? What about the area of finances? What if you decided, I will not cheat on my taxes. I will not lie on my taxes. If you're in business, I will not cheat my boss by lying about what I'm doing. I will not cheat if I am a boss by doing anything in my business that would dishonor God. I'm not going to cheat on my taxes in my business or even financially. Nothing that I'm going to do, if somebody looked at it, they would, they would have a problem. It's this idea of I'm going to be above reproach. So these are just some practical things. Uh, I want to just share some that, that my wife and I have made uh, in our life. The first is when we got married, we made a resolution that we would not divorce. Uh, divorce has been in my family for generations. Family member after family member, my parents, grandparents, uncles, sister, like it's just divorce has just run its course in my, my family. And you have to decide at some point in your life, with the Lord's help, we're going to break that. And so my wife and I, when we got married, we decided we will not divorce. Our vows we will keep until death departs us from each other. So that was a resolution we made. Another resolution, and this is hard, is we will not check out of parenting. If you're a parent, it's very easy to check out. In fact, it's very easy to get frustrated and resent your kids when they're not obeying you, when they're not maybe making life enjoyable, when they're not listening to you. And so one of the resolutions we made is we're not going to check out. We're not going to just lay down and say, you know what? We're over this. We're going to have to keep engaging. We have to keep working at it. And it's tiring. That's a resolution we had to make. And then the final thing that we just made really on the front end when we were dating is that we will not chase the American dream. We will not make our life about obtaining more stuff, whether it's having the house, whether it's having the car, whether it's having as much income as we can so we can keep feeding materialism. We decided we will not go there. Does that make sense? What about for you? 
Related to relationships, related to your words, related to authority, related to integrity. And you may know, well, Alex, I, I don't really know the scripture, so I'm not sure. Well, I, I encourage you. I've just mentioned some. Some of these can, you know, are found in the scriptures. They represent truth. You can take some of these, or, or maybe there's just some time that you need to spend in the scripture so you can begin to see these convictions, these, these commands, the way of God. And so that's a part of it. That's what the next section is. So these are the things that I will not do, but what are some things that you need to start doing? What will I do? Here's some. Every day, I'm going to open up my Bible. That could be a resolution that you make. If you want to learn what God says, you have to decide to spend time with Him. I know it, it's hard. It, it seems like, isn't there an easier way? And No, you, you, the only way you can get to know God is you have to take the time to do it. So you will open up your Bible every day. And if you don't get it to every day, it's regularly as much as I can. I'm going to open up my Bible I'm going to have to set my alarm early. What will I do? I will set my alarm early so I can open up my Bible every day. And then the second is, I'm going to talk to God every day. I'm just going to decide when I wake up or before I go to bed that I make sure I have talked to Him. I'm a pastor. You know, there's some days where I look and I say, you know what? I've hardly included God in my life today. I've been busy. I've been running around. And the fact of the matter is, I haven't been relating to Him. And in that moment, I have to stop and say, God, I I surrender to you. Forgive me for just being so busy that I, I'm not paying attention. So just make that resolution. I'm going to spend time with God every day. I'm going to set my alarm early to do it. Or I won't go to bed. I will not let my head hit the pillow until I've spent that time. That's a resolution that you make. Here's another one. I'm going to keep coming to church. It's so easy to check out of church. It's so easy during the season where we've been sheltering at home We just get out of the habit. I think all of us have gotten out of the habit of going to church, even me. But if you make a resolution, I will go to church. As long as I'm in town, I'm going to go to church. Then the decision's made. Saturday night before you go to bed, you don't have to become asking the question, do I feel it? Do I I really feel like going? Will it be worth my time? If you've made the resolution, you've already decided. Another one is, I'm going to share my faith. That's a command. We're, going to, we're supposed to share the good news with others. If you make a resolution, do that. I'm going to share my faith with others. I'm going to be on mission with God. So then you see there's all these opportunities that God has around you. Why? Because now you're seeing it because you've made a resolution to do it. If you want to grow like Daniel grew and make an impact like he made and his friends made, for your faith to grow, you have to make these predetermined resolutions. So, what are some of those things? What are the things you, you need to not do? And then what are the things that you need to start doing? These decisions will cause you to stand out. And here's something that I just want us to all just kind of really lean into, and it's this. This statement. See if this is true of you. I'd rather be remembered for standing out than forgotten for blending in. The idea is, I'd rather be remembered for these resolutions that I make of what I will and will not do than just letting life happen and me always just reacting to it. What Daniel's life is, he made that resolution. He saw what was happening. He said, I'm not going to go there. He's showing what a proactive person does. It's very easy to be reactive. And in the moment, then we just have to trust our instinct. But if you've decided before, again, you will grow because not many people do that. We all just kind of go with the flow. We go with what the wave of what we feel 
or what's popular or what's normal. If everyone else does it, we tend to do it. We've done this ever since we were kids. But to stand out as a Christian may mean that you do things that no one else is doing. And that's how you stand out because you are going to be different. I want to read the the last uh, kind of part of, of the story because I think it's helpful. So Daniel made that resolution. He asked the chief eunuch, can we not eat this food so we're not defiling ourselves and ultimately defiling God? And then the story continues in verse 12 through 15. And he proposes this. So he comes up with this proposal, and this is what he says. Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. Check out verse 15. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So I'm not going to lie. At this moment, with that proposal of the plan, if I was one of Daniel's friends who resolved this with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, we're not going to eat the king's food. In fact, all we're going to eat is vegetables and water. At that point, I might be, oh no, I don't. That does not sound great to me at all. And it's counterintuitive. And I think the whole point is, is it seems like there's no reason that that could be the case. And that's often how God works. If you take a stand for something, everyone could say that makes no sense. You're crazy. But notice what the scripture says. They were fatter, like more healthy, robust. They looked good. They looked healthy better than anyone else. And that's, that's the hand of God. That's what God does. When you take a stand and you stand out, God takes care of you. He will take care of you with exactly what you need in the moment. And then pick up the story in verse 19. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. Now that's very interesting because that's going to lead to the next weeks. They stood before the king. What, what the scripture is saying here is they have influence now. They have his attention. Remember, all these things were going to happen and then they're going to stand before the king after three years. Well, on the front end of the story, just because of what Daniel had done, he had taken that stand. He had already had the influence of the king. And God worked in the middle of this resolution that he made. He gave them supernatural understanding. And what we'll spend the next few weeks talking about is these dreams and visions that they were able to interpret of King Nebuchadnezzar. They were actually able to redirect the course of history because of the stand that they took to stand out, to do what honors God. What that means is, and it can be so cliche, like you make a difference in your life, you'll change the course of history. That sounds like a movie. But in this instance, they just did what no one else was going to do. Maybe what no one else was willing to do. They stood up for the truth, for what they believed, for their faith, and they took courage, and God honored that, and they gained influence. And it altered the course of history. I want to be known, again, by somebody who stands out and is remembered, even if people don't agree. Blending in 
going with the flow of culture, we really miss the impact that God wants to have with our life. So I just want to close out with three next steps that you can take. If you haven't filled out your connection card, I know Joel's asked you to do that. Go ahead and and do that right now. You can click on the connection card a moment or the, the, the tab there and fill that out. But here are some key next steps this week. The first is make some predetermined decisions this week. What I I mean is, is I've asked you the question, what I will not do, what I will do. And I've given you some suggestions, but what if you took the time this week, maybe just start with 15 minutes and just what comes to mind when you think of your relationships, when you think of your faith, church, Maybe even as you look at some patterns in your life, are there some things where you really are kind of close to the edge of the cliff? Like you're really not living God's ways. Like maybe no one else knows it, but you know it and you know God knows it. What are some things you need to stop doing? And then what are some things you need to start doing? You can use your handout. There's space on there. Please do that. You can print it out. You can get a journal. You could get a post-it note, but just begin. What are some of those predetermined resolutions that God's begin? to lay on your heart. And I'd love, if you want to share those with me, you say, you know, Pastor Alex, here's some things that I've decided I need to take a stand to do. Please email me. My email is alexdbarrett at gmail.com. Email me, let me know, and I will pray for you as you make these resolutions. So that's the first next step. The second next step is this. Ask God to work in your life with whatever you are facing right now. I know some of you are under tremendous amount of stress. You have health issues. Uh, you feel lonely, you have financial pressure, you feel cut off maybe from God, you feel isolated, you're frustrated, maybe you're angry, you're looking at our world, you're looking at our culture, you're overwhelmed with all you're facing in your life. And it's at these moments that we don't stand because we wait for this to pass. When COVID passes, I'll get serious about my faith. When my finances come together, I'll be able to give back to God. When I get my life together, I'll connect with others. There's always a sense we're waiting for something else to happen. I wanna encourage you, like Daniel did. Daniel did not wait for three years. He did not wait for King Nebuchadnezzar to die. He didn't wait before he was back in Israel, in Jerusalem. He decided to take a stand right now. So don't wait for your life to get put together before you take these steps of faith towards God. What's holding you back? Maybe the reason you're not standing is really you've not decided to trust in the Lord and you're not relying on his strength to help you stand. So maybe today you just need to ask God, God, with whatever I'm facing right now, help me to stand. And with your help and with your strength, I will. So maybe you need to mark that next step. And the last next step is this. Come back for the rest of the series and invite someone. And there's a space for which you can tell us who you want to invite. Do you know there is power in showing up? That's a resolution. I am actually going to keep showing up to church. I'm going to keep engaging. I'm not going to check out. I want to encourage you, don't check out. Don't pull away. Don't get sidetracked. Stay with what God is doing in your life. And part of that is just commit to come back for the rest of the series. And then commit to inviting someone. God has placed you in the lives of many people who right now are crushed. They're not standing. They're like lying maybe in a ball. They could be in the fetal position of life, just overwhelming them. And God's placed you in their life to help pick them up. Who could you invite to the rest of this series? And I know that can sound so cliche, 
But really, what if you were to invite two people in your life and they heard this and for the first time God spoke to them and gave them hope that they've never had? Did you know you'd be a part of changing the course of their life? Again, if we make the right decisions at the right time in the right way and we stand, we can make a difference. So I'm so glad you decided to join us. Take one of these next steps. Let us know how we can pray for you on this connection card. We're so glad you've decided to join us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story of Daniel. The fact that we can learn from somebody that's not even living in our era, but we can look at his courage and his faith and it calls us forward. God, I pray that we will take one of these next steps. That we'll make some predetermined resolutions. We will not delay. That we will turn to you with whatever that we're facing. We're not going to check out. And God, that that we will come back, we will show up. Because it's when we show up that you really work. And you teach us and you, you call us forward. So I pray for everyone watching. Give them a blessed week. Renew their just hope and peace in you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.